Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel, here with Elias Randall. Elias, good to have you back again. Good to be here. I've only not had you on this show like maybe four times, I think. Well, thanks for having me on the show again. I appreciate that. It's about time to let you and Jonas host this show again so I can uh, take a break and go on vacation. Sure. It's a pretty good sure, show. Let's do it. Well... The big topic, and it's been around for the past couple of um, of months, is the recession chalk. And uh, today they just re- released the inflation number, 8.8%. So people are even more bearish on the market, on the economy. And I thought it'd be good just to talk a little bit about recessions, what they mean. Because we're in a bear market, people think recession, like it has to happen. And I don't know if that's really the case. And I think recency bias of people, the last recession they remember was the great financial crisis. So they believe it'll be similar to that. Yeah. And that's not, I guess, and we have a chart we're going to talk about, but, um, you know, bear markets and recessions don't always go hand in hand. And, you know, we really don't even know. And I wanted to ask you this. So when I was reading through this and all these, so we have a forecast from Citigroup, from Goldman Sachs, a couple other places, UBS, probability of recession. So what's considered, what do you think is high probability, over 50% over a coin flip that yeah, a recession I, I would will think, happen? I mean, I don't even know if I'd call that high. That's probably moderate. A high probability of recession, if you would ask me, I'd say like 70% or better probability. So I, we're at a moderate moderate yeah. risk of recession right now in my in my purview through my lens yes and i kind of look i kind of look at it like portfolios would you call a 50 percent stock portfolio moderate or probable like risky Me, high risk I, moderate moderate they, yeah. and so that's how i look at it i think 50 percent probability of success which is what Citigroup in this article is, is actually saying they believe the the probability of a global recession is Goldman Sachs believes it's 30%. Um, yeah. UBS has a base case for no recession. So nobody knows. I mean, I was listening to a halftime report today. You don't, if you don't listen to that, that's on CNBC, but I like listening to that because Josh Brown's on and he made a good point. He's a te- he's more of a technician. Like he's looking at the technical numbers and somebody said, well, are you predicting that this is the end of the bear market? He goes, I don't predict anything. And I don't think anybody can predict anything. And I think that's the key here. Nobody here really knows what's going to happen. It's really about what can you do to pro- you know, prepare for a recession? Kind of like when we do planning for people, we're just trying to prepare. We don't know the outcome. We can give some general ideas of what the outcomes are, but the best thing you can do is prepare and have a plan for what's going to happen. Yeah, so there's the better question. Okay, are you prepared if a recession happens? And then my other question, what what if it doesn't? What if there isn't a recession? Here's a better question. How's it gonna affect you in five years? If there's a recession today? Today. How is it actually going to affect you? Do you believe in five years you're going to be better off in five years than you are today? Yeah, so it, it depends. If I suppose if there's a recession and you're you get laid off, 
So that might really, that's going to obviously impact you in the short term, but five years from now, you could be, you could be better off or you could be the same. You could be back in the same industry. Let me flip it around. Let's assume you don't use, lose your job. All things stay equal from an investment standpoint. You don't lose your job. You keep your same job. Your income stays the same. For all intents and purposes, the recession doesn't really affect you that much, which that's what will happen for a large majority of the people in America. That, that I agree with that. Yeah. So you're going to be my personal opinion. If you certainly if you're continuing to buy and you're staying in the market, I think five years from today, you'd be significantly better off. You're going to be rewarded. I would, that's what I would I would bet on. So I think this depends on kind of what lens you're looking through. Are you looking through the lens of, hey, I'm concerned about my job or my industry because I'm in a, you know, I'm in the tech industry, which, you know, or I'm in the crypto business, companies going to have business laying people off. Well, your five-year outlook might be different based upon your, your job circumstance. But for most people, they're not going to lose their job. There'll be some. I mean, right now, unemployment's 3.6%. So that's low. We've never had a recession with unemployment lower than 5.7%. Just, so that's a key, that's probably a key number to keep an eye on then. I mean, and, and how bad's it gonna be? Okay, let's say we have a recession, we have slowing growth, but we have unemployment at 4.2. People didn't lose their jobs. People still have money to spend. One key number that I did hear some talk about today is they were talking about subprime auto loans and prime rate auto loans and that the delinquencies are way up. So there's these little cracks you can kind of see that may be leading to a bigger problem. And what's interesting, and you'll appreciate this, I know you will, Elias, we have people that call us up and say, hey, I heard this today do you think we should buy or sell something in our stock portfolio? If you already heard it, it's old news. By the time it gets to the retail investor, it's old news. People have already the made trade. the trades on it. Yeah, the, the big gains. The big gains have been traded in already. The professionals made their money on it. So I wanted to add on to what you were just talking about for the increased delinquencies on auto loans. So the other thing I've read recently is about credit card debt is increasing. But then today I read an article that saving rate savings rates are increasing again, cash savings rates. I think part of that is in the article talked about part of it being recession fears. People are start are preparing. Maybe they want a bigger emergency fund if there is a recession. I think people are cutting their spending because maybe uh, cutting their spending due to inflation, but and, and this may sound, this may sound kind of crude, I guess, and blunt. But really, I was thinking, okay, to me, all this is really saying is, if you're successful with money and you're successful, like this, really is going to be a non-event, I think. And if you're someone, if your car's in delinquency and you have excessive credit card debt, well, you don't, you, you already don't have really successful money habits, so. This could be a very painful event. So I'm not sure that people, certainly I would think people listening to finance podcasts and watching finance videos on YouTube, they're probably more in the camp of they're successful with their money and they're at least ha have good habits and are becoming successful with their money and with their investments. 
Yeah, I agree. And you, you made, um, I don't know. You said something about people buying things like how much, how much more people can stuff can people buy? Didn't they buy everything during the pandemic? We all sat home and just shopped on Amazon all day. I mean, we bought every- Pelotons. We, we bought every gadget out there because there was nothing to do. And I'm just thinking about me personally. I bought more fishing equipment during the COVID lockdown. Not because I was really fishing more. I just didn't have anything else to do. Oh, yeah. You were, you were boredom here. shopping. I haven't ordered from Tackle Warehouse in like 45 days. Is that a long time That's for like you? That's like a record. I mean, I was ordering. You have everything. You're stocked up. That's how I feel. But how many other people? So if that's me, how many other people are saying, hey, I'm stocked up or it also could just be this mental, mental side. Like I'm so busy doing other stuff. I'm not even focused on what I need to buy for fishing or whatever little hobby this is. That's probably part of it, too. I mean, in a lot of people. One, I know we're way busier than we were during the pandemic, and I'm sure almost everyone is in that boat now, especially if you went from going to an office and working every day to working at home. You probably weren't nearly as busy while you were working at home. And then if you're back to like your full workload pre-pandemic, you're probably in that boat too where one, you or not one, but you might just not have the time to shop and do all the things you're doing. I think everybody years ago, like they bought all the discretionary stuff they needed. And now they're bumping saving rates up. We were talking about before the show, I saw a Facebook post McDonald's advertising $21 to flip burgers. And I thought about this on the way to work. I'm like, well, that's probably why inflation's here. Where actually you've got unskilled labor, which there's nothing wrong with that, but unskilled labor going from seven, eight, nine bucks an hour to 21. They've never been able to buy anything. Well, now they can afford to go buy a healthy salad at the store instead of the 38 cent macaroni and cheese or the ramen noodle bag. I mean, but think about it. So the more stuff of that they buy, the shorter supply. I was at the store the other day. There's less stuff on some of the grocery shelves right now than during COVID. Really? I, we had to go to three different stores to buy children's ibuprofen the other day. Three different stores. I was talking about it. Why is there a shortage? There's a run on ibuprofen for kids. I'm not kidding you. I went to the grocery store. I was looking for, uh, I went to Hy-Vee. My wife wanted blueberries. No blueberries. No blueberries. No blueberries, huh? There's a national, I think there's a national blueberry shortage. I still think there are certain products where there's still not, there's uh, demand is outpacing the supply. But think about it. I just think about that. If all of a sudden the person who's making seven, eight, nine dollars an hour flipping burgers is now getting twenty one bucks and they can't actually hire the people. So they might be paying them more. They're going to spend that money because they've never had any discretionary money to spend. They were just getting by. So there's this massive influx of money into the hands of others at this point. And I had another comment. You said we're all way busier now than we were during the pandemic, which is true. But I have a question. How busy you are right now, were you this busy before the pandemic? It probably depends on the industry, but I'm sure. Not talking about life in general. Life in general. Are you busier post-pandemic or pre-pandemic? 
Me specifically? Yeah, me specifically. Because I have a theory on this. <laughs> yeah, I, let me hear your theory. I don't. I, I think honestly all, don't know because I, I think, was. I think everybody so is way way busier right now than pre-pandemic. I think pre-pandemic people are just in this hey coast along mode. We're good, and now it's like everybody has to have something planned every single day, every single weekend. We have friends of ours. We used to be able to get together pretty easy to go do a dinner or take a little vacation with them. And we have young kids, but still we had young kids then. We couldn't find one weekend this summer that we could connect and do something. They had something going every weekend, and so did we. So you think that people feel like they missed out the last I think people feel like they missed out and like, man, we have to go do all this stuff, which is probably also lending itself to inflation. Eventually, we're all going to get worn out. I'm going to get worn out. I promise you. <laughs> I, we were on vacation for like 13 days. We came home a day early. I'm like, I'm good. I'm ready to come sit in my chair and let the girls ride their, their, you know, how, their how, big wheel around the front yard and their bicycle and just sit here in my chair. How do you think listeners are going to respond to hearing you say, I got wore out on vacation? It's because I have two little kids. <laughs> I've got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Every listener has a six and a three-year-old. Knows that yeah, vacation's not really no, vacation with yeah. little kids. There's no such thing as relaxing when you have when you have a young family. If it you have like a three day even... adult, like a three days alone with the wife, I probably would feel pretty refreshed. That's your only opportunity though. But thirteen days with the girls, work becomes a vacation. <laughs> yeah. And every every weekend is every weekend is work too. Yeah. There's just no time yeah, there's no relaxing. But I just I was thinking about that, like I just feel like everybody is so much more busy and eventually that'll subside um, just kind of along with everything else in life. It, it ebbs and flows. Business cycles ebb and flow. Recessions, they ebb and flow. They're not abnormal. So the question is, if we actually do have a recession, what's it going to look like? And I think we talked earlier, Elias, that most people believe that if you have a bear market, you have a recession. It's actually about 50-50. So I've got a chart going back to 1956. There's 16 bear markets on there, okay? There's been recession out of those 16 times, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and this year's still unknown. So seven out of 15 times there's been a recession with a bear market. This year makes 16, and it's unknown. So it's about 50-50 probability that we'll have a recession. We don't know what'll happen. So I don't, I don't want people to get all excited. They hear the word, we're going to have a recession. Well, nobody knows. So then it comes down to, like you said, how do, how do we actually prepare people for a recession, Elias? As far as what their investment portfolio and well, things they can be doing? What are the things people can do? Yeah, so something... Investment-wise, or just like in their personal life to prepare. If you think a recession is going to affect you, like I'll use us, for example, or, or myself... A recession will affect our firm through asset prices, but in general, people are still still going to need financial help. There yes. are certain industries where they're going to look in the mirror and say, "Hey, if a recession happens, I'm losing my job, or I'm likely to lose my job." How does that person prepare for it? Yeah. So if you're someone who if you really think that risk is on the table, there's several things you could start doing. Um, I think an easy one is to start um, bulking up your emergency fund. 
that's a simple thing. Doesn't take a whole lot of thought, but maybe start to look at, okay, how much cash would I, do I have? How many months could I live? And if you really, if you think that's a risk for you, you could increase your cash and just your savings account. I mean, you're not going to earn any money on that just sitting there in the savings account. But if that's your reality, that is a good starting place. Well, it's funny you said you're not going to earn any cash in a savings account. Maybe not in a savings account, but you could go buy yourself another bank product that actually pays a, a better yeah, rate than normal now. I mean, yeah. we looked at CDs that actually are paying, if I can't believe it, but they're paying a relatively good rate to what we've seen in the last five to seven years. So there might be options for that safe money, but in general, bulking up the the uh, emergency fund and then, you know, paying down debt. I don't know if that's just a recession thing. Might just be a good practice. Even if you aren't going to be affected by the recession, maybe start paying down some debts if you're really, really concerned about it. You know, and we always talk about paying off the bad debts, credit cards, high interest rate debts. I don't count your home as bad debt. Yeah, I think your debt to income ratio being at a, I, just, I think successful, people that are successful with money, they just have smaller debt compared to their income than people who are not. I think that just comes along with it. And, and beyond you know, paying down debt and those things, I think another thing we have here in the notes and we talk about a lot is staying invested. And today, actually recently, I've been thinking a lot about, and this is an old Warren Buffett quote, the one where he talks about be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. I've shared with clients and just other people I've talked to recently that I really believe the 20... 32 version of yourself. So 10 years from now, if you take advantage of this bear market, and what I mean by that is you continue to make purchases in your 401k, Roth, whatever accounts you're utilizing, 10 years from now, you're going to be happy you that you did that and you took advantage of a bear market because there is, people say it all the time, there's money to be made in bear markets. Well, the money you're making is you're buying shares at a discount and the market's never not return to the previous all-time high. Think about Roth conversions. Why not convert? Those two. If you're gonna, if you're, if you're young and you're planning on converting, and I, I believe the Roth conversion benefits the young and the high-income earners, people who are gonna have assets that they're they're passing to the next generation. I'm 43. How old are you? 32, 33, 33, 33. If you have any money in an IRA right now, you should be converting it today. I just don't believe that in 30 years for you and you might look at retirement, you won't be happy that you put that into a tax-free space. Okay, and then to the person who says, oh, but the taxes, I don't wanna have to pay the taxes. Figure out how to pay the taxes today because do you think tax rates are going down? No. After all of the government stimulus and all the money we've pumped in the economy, all the debt we owe, being in a tax-free world might be the best thing you've ever done. Now, that said, you know, I've got a blog that is coming out Friday. Maybe Molly can link it into the into the video. There's some things you want to look out if you decide to go do a Roth conversion. If you're doing a backdoor yes. Roth or Roth conversion, there's some pitfalls of it that people don't think about. And we've had clients have come to us wanting to do them. And these are the things that we bring up like, oh, you're 65 and you want to do a Roth conversion because the market's down. It could affect your Medicare premium. Are you willing to pay a higher premium? 
Are you willing to go into a higher tax bracket? Are you willing to have a higher capital gains tax rate? There's all these different things that, that go into that decision. For me, if it's an IRA and I'm already in the tax bracket I'm going to be in, some of those things aren't on the table. It's just, do you have the cash to pay the tax? And full disclosure, I converted all my IRAs. I finished my last one last year, so I don't have any to convert. I they feel pretty good about that right now. Yeah, and I did and it over certainly time. Certainly after the next bull market, you're going to like it. Well, well, I converted my last one at the peak of the market, but that's great really timing. Great. Hey, timing. you know what? It goes back to Elias. <laughs> it goes back to it goes back to uh, the worst investor ever. That that you went back and ran the last five market peaks. If you were to invest at that time, what the return of those people would have been. Yeah, I may have converted still, the wrong time. It's not going to matter. I don't care. I'm right. in a tax-free world. I don't have to think about it now. Um, so yeah, I think staying invested in, I, I agree with you. Your 10 year self will be happy that you didn't make a bad decision. Um, I think one of the other things that you discussed with me and you brought, you brought this up was you said, Hey, maybe we should be talking to people about, was it their portfolio recovery strategy? Yeah, I think, yeah, portfolio recovery strategy. Um, that is something you should be looking at uh, or well, don't, your don't, advisor should be asking you about. We're not going to tell anybody what it is yet. They're going to have to go to btwellshow.com and click and send us an email to get the answer to that. <laughs> Can't but spill the beans on the We're not going to spill the strategy. beans yet. We're going to get people to tune in. Maybe the next episode we'll talk about a portfolio recovery strategy and kind of how it works and why, if you're not talking to your advisor about it, you should be because there are opportunities. I think Jim Cramer said it best. There's a bull market somewhere. You just have to find it. And the bull market doesn't always have to be just finding the right stock. It could just be implementing another strategy that complements what you're doing to enhance your returns. And we've always talked about, and I brought up at workshops for a long time. If you have somebody who's in the 12% tax bracket or even the 22% tax bracket, and they've got a $2 million IRA, and someday they're gonna be in the 30% tax bracket in retirement, and let's say they're 60 years old, why wouldn't they start converting some dollars today in their current tax bracket? They could potentially you can probably be saving. make a very compelling argument that they should. Well, think about it. If we know you're going to go to, let's just say you're going from 22 to 25. That's a 3% guaranteed rate of return. And it has nothing to do with investments. If you're converting in a 22% tax bracket, and you know, you're going to be in a 25 at some point. And we all know that tax bracket's going to 25%. Is it 2027 or 20, it's 25, 2025. Yeah. The so we know that's going to happen. So if you're in a 22% bracket, why won't you be maxing out your tax bracket, converting some dollars into that Roth IRA today, or at well, least having right. the discussion as to whether it makes sense to you. Like, and that's what I'm talking about. There's portfolio recovery strategies that we've kind of devised that could potentially help people enhance their returns. And it's not necessarily an investment. It's just a strategy. Yeah, it's not investment related. It's at, it's financial planning related. Right. Which it, just lends itself to one having a financial plan and executing it as being probably two of the most important um I don't know if they're predictors, but two of the most important things of being a successful investor. Well, 
yeah, most important is one, admitting you need help, and two, actually executing that plan. So Elias, one of the things that um, we should probably talk about is what if there's actually not a recession? So I've been, I've spent a decent amount of time thinking about that recently. A couple things, if inflation does cool off and then we don't have a, have a recession and just some of the data I've looked at, um, housing prices. So like new listings, the new listing prices are starting to come down. Um, there are commodity prices coming down. New home Oil's starts coming down. New home starts are dead. There's zero. It's like somebody flipped a switch on people building new homes. Yeah. I read an article the other day, the amount of people backing out of homes, backing out of the deal, that's off the charts. My my in-laws are selling their house. The people that were going to buy the people's house that were buying theirs lost their financing. Because rates went up? Or? Yeah. I mean, think about if you were planning on a 4% interest rate, now you're looking at 6 Most people on a home, they're buying the max. Right? They're not... Yeah. You show me someone that says, yep, the bank says you can go buy 400000 and they're looking in the 220s. They're looking at four hundred and five and hoping they're going to make an offer to get where they need to be. <laughs> yeah. And then interest rates go up two points. So all those things, you're right. Like oil price is $95 a barrel. They're down 20%. If all this stuff starts to cool off, what if we don't get a recession? All the stuff we're talking about people will still be happy they did. They'll be happy they increased their contribution. They'll be happy that they converted their Roth IRA at a low price, a relatively low price compared to where we were six months ago. They'll be happy that they eliminated debt. There's no, there's nothing bad about preparing for a session unless you cash your investments in. That's the worst thing you can do. Like all the other things you're doing to prepare, they're all positives. Yeah, they're positives either way. Either way. And it's it's kind of sad that we don't even think about it until we have to. Think about what? Think about recession not happening? No, just people in general. Like, we have to help people do the things to prepare for recession when it's just kind of really the things you should do to prepare for everyday life. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other, I think the other thing, and it's not really a concern, but... There are some supply, like the supply chain is loosening and then we're starting to have inventory places. And I think you were telling me there's been, we're, they're starting to see sales too, where how many retailers were not having sales the last couple of years. So I almost, I wonder if there's going to be, um, I, just, I would just wonder if we're going to kind of get in this environment where we start to have an oversupply in our stores and things, especially on, I think about lumber, cause like the price of lumber went way, to, way up. And I've talked to several people who they wanna do a home project, but no one's doing them right now because of material prices. They're waiting for it to come down. So, I mean, it's hard to predict, to predict either way, but you know, I guess we spent all this time talking about well, let's prepare for a recession, prepare for the bear market. Um, you know, really should probably be at some level kind of prepared for both both scenarios, right? Because you can't 
you can't predict exactly what's going to happen. No one's predicting. But I think to your point, and we talked about this, inventory. So this is put out by Schwab, posted this July 5th. Shortages have led to gluts. Here's the headlines. On June 3rd, Walmart says reducing inventory glut will take a couple of quarters. Well, when I hear inventory glut, you know what I hear? Sale. How do, how do you blow out product? Sale. Prices come down. On Forbes on June 7th, too much of a good goods thing. Retailers are drowning inventory. NBC News, June 9th, Target is slashing prices on certain items with excess inventory. Market Watch, June 21st, department stores are at risk from an unprecedented level of excess inventory. Wall Street Journal, June 28th, Nike posts flat sales jump in inventories, declining revenues in North America and China offset gains. Well, it probably goes back to everybody's already bought everything they want. They brought a Peloton. Right. They bought new two new TVs. They bought 13 pairs of Nikes when they got their stimulus check. The greatest fireworks show in America happened on Ju- July 4th, 2020, because everybody had stimulus checks. I think there's some, too, inventory. <laughs> there's an aspect of inventory management, too, where the inventory got so tight that probably the purchasers in all these different industries, they're just they started operating at a different level because they didn't want inventory to get tight again. Well, think so about they probably started increasing their purchases. So think about this too. If, if you were a retailer and you saw a trend where everybody was buying TVs that would potentially, or like household items or whatever, that would potentially lead you to build inventories there. But where's everybody spending their money right now? Travel and leisure. They're buying suitcases and backpacks and, the stuff yeah, to go on everyone's vacation. Everyone's doing so, the stuff couldn't do for two years. Well, how many how many retailers in June of 2020 do you think was building an inventory of suitcases? They weren't. They were they building weren't. an inventory for stay-at-home products. Yeah, they were absolutely. And it's no fault of the it's no fault of that retailer. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know how long was it going to take to get this stuff. They didn't realize that it'd be stuck in a shipping container. So that inventory, but. All of a sudden, you know, during COVID, our dishwasher went out at our house. So, you know, I'm like, oh, man. I told my wife, I said, just go buy whatever dishwasher you can find in town. So she went to like three different stores and found a dishwasher that could get delivered. Well, our washing machine went out the other day. She had her pick. She got one on sale. Going to be delivered June 30th. Could have been here June 19th or July 19th. But I wasn't going to be around to do it. So think about that. I went from, my wife went from driving around town to find the one dishwasher that we could get in, during COVID to we got a washer and dryer set that was on sale that would actually be installed with, could have been installed within like 13 days. How happy were you that it was on sale? Did that make you feel good? I knew it was going to be on Loved sale because I'd read all this inventory stuff. I said, this is a good time. My in-laws are moving to a new condo. I told them, I'm like, good time to be buying dishwashers and refrigerators and stuff like that. But I just think that's how much things have changed. Kind of like the housing market. I don't think the housing market, I'm pretty sure the housing market used to be multiple offers above ask. I don't think that's happening. Go look on Zillow. You're not seeing homes go off the market in three days. You're seeing price drop, price drop, price drop. And some of that is people listing the house at the price that they're like, yep, this is what it would take for me to move. 
Right. And those prices are a little more sticky, which I think lends to the currently listed home. Those prices are still up. They haven't gone down. New listings are going down. But that's because real estate agents are helping price those new listings. They they know the market. The real estate market for a while was like somebody, you'd ask somebody what something was worth and they'd go to eBay and be like, oh, it's for sale for $4,000. But then they went and checked the sold prices and it only been selling for like 1500. <laughs> like, yeah, anybody can ask what they want, but what's it actually selling for? So that's all going to change. I remember, you know, I sold my house in 2017. I had three offers. They were all below ask. I took the highest of the three low offers. I don't think many people in the last year have been, I guarantee you in the last year, realtors have not been letting their clients go and offer below ask. Or much below ask. No, either you couldn't compete if you're going to do that. Yeah, and I've seen you the TikTok. We've we've all seen the TikTok videos and the reels and stuff on Facebook about it. But I, I think the, I think the moral of this story, Elias, is regardless of whether there's a recession or not, the question is how do you believe you'll fare in five years, not what's it going to feel like during the recession or the next six or twelve months. In five years, what can you do to position yourself to be better off? If anybody's looking for help, you can go to btwellshow.com. You can click get a plan or you can get information on our portfolio recovery strategy. You have anything else, Elias? Thanks for listening. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.